pray one more time together here right before we have the message of God's word preached. Our Father, we pray you would open the eyes of our understanding. We pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray that, as it says in 1 Corinthians, that you would give the manifestation of your spirit, that is, the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit working, even as the Word of God is being preached. May the Holy Spirit be the teacher. May the Holy Spirit show the application and the wisdom of how does this fit into my life? How does this fit into my circumstances? I pray, Father, you would keep us from just adding Bible knowledge to our head without engrafting the Word of God into our life. You tell us in your Word, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. And so I pray that the living truth of your Word would have living application, and as I by your Holy Spirit, uh, ask for your help to enable me to share what you've laid on my heart. May you touch our minds and touch our hearts so that every person here can receive what they need from you in this journey, in this life, to be good stewards of the life of your Son that you've entrusted to us. That we could all look forward to that day. You'd be able to say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Lord, may that be said of all of us as we are faithful stewards of what you've entrusted to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I do quite often, I was especially doing it with this section of Scripture. I asked myself uh, a question about why does uh, God include what he includes in his word? Uh, God doesn't uh, just put fluff in his word, every scripture is essential uh, for what we need in life to understand. Um, in Second Peter, it talks about God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's given us everything we need in his word and by the Holy Spirit and through his son, Jesus Christ. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And when we come to the scriptures... I kind of like to ask a series of questions. I jotted some down here. Why why did God include this particular portion of Scripture in his word? Why did God package it the way he packaged it, such as in this case, this dishonest steward was being commended? That will grab your attention. Why did God package it that way? And uh, I was thinking about, you know, for instance, uh, all of us have been through that time when you first get your license, your driver's license. I actually went through it ten times with all our children. And uh, when Joel got his license, man, I took a picture of it. I took a picture of it. I said, Joel, stop right here. I'm taking a picture of DMV with you standing underneath it because we've been through this. I've been through this with uh, all ten times with lots of paperwork and documents and all that. And this is a milestone. But as you know, when you get your um, when you when you get your driver's license, uh, I've asked myself, 
Why do they include in the driving test what they include in the driving test? How do they choose what they're going to put in the driving test to see if you are qualified or capable to drive? Uh, for instance, uh, you know, since I can remember, anybody gets their driving test has to uh, parallel park. Does anybody remember that? Okay. Now, why did they put that in there? Why has that been in there for so long? Why do they think that was essential? Why do they think that was crucial? <laughs> it brings up a lot of questions as to uh, who chooses what's essential and why do they choose it. Well, I guarantee you these uh, scriptures, the way God packaged these scriptures, he packaged it so we will know how to park in the right places in life. And when I say park in the right places of life, I'm talking about rest for your soul. I'm talking about going into the parking place of quietness for your soul. The parking place of rest for your soul. The parking place of joy for your soul. There are so many things in life that want to rob us and steal from us our joy, our peace. And God has made it possible through his word and through his son for us to have rest in our soul. Uh, years ago, I heard uh, you have to either come apart with God in his word or your life will come apart. You got to part. You got to park with God in his word. You got to do what David did in the Old Testament. It says that David, every believer needs to learn how to do this. Uh, you, you've got to get it directly from God. David encouraged himself. How did he encourage himself? He encouraged himself in the Lord. And these particular scriptures uh, that God has given us, every one of these scriptures in God's word is given us the wisdom we need and the understanding we need to how to spend time with God to be able to worship him, to be able to fellowship with him. And as we go through life, as Jesus said, I came that you might have life, and it might have what kind of life? Abundant life. And he didn't say, well, you know, there's certain situations in life, you're just not going to be able to experience it. No, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In every generation, in any age, to have the joy. Listen, the joy of the Lord, if we don't, maintain the joy of the Lord in our life, what do we lose? The joy of the Lord is our strength. We lose our spiritual strength. We lose our spiritual stamina. We lose our spiritual wherewithal. So we need to understand how to come apart with God and get the wisdom and the understanding from God's Word so that we can rest and have peace in our soul. It's hard to share with others about Christ and the gospel and the power of God and the truth of God if you don't have rest in your own soul. Amen? Uh, the Lord talked about when he sent his disciples out uh, two by two, he said, when you go into a city, what you want to share with those in the city is offer them your peace. And when he says offer them your peace, he's talking about the peace that comes from me. You're experiencing peace in your soul. People apart from Jesus Christ do not have peace in their soul. Amen? 
But if we've proven the power of God in our own soul, the peace that passes human understanding when uh, you've got such difficult situations and such trying situations and such challenging situations, and uh, we give thanks to God for it. We give thanks to God for it. I thank you for this problem, this pressure, this difficulty, this challenge. And just by giving thanks to God for whatever's going on, I guarantee you you're sending a message to the principalities and the powers. It's good to say it out loud. Good to say it out loud. When you pray those words, God, I thank you for this. Name what you're thanking God for. Because the principalities and powers are watching to see, hey, can we do something here? Can we work here? We see what's going on in humanity. And uh, are people responding in faith? Are people responding in uh, quietness and rest in their soul? Are people responding in absolute trust? Remember, the devil said to God, do what? If you take that hedge of protection away from uh, Job, remember what the devil said? He's not going to trust you. He's not going to believe you. I tell you, there's a spiritual battle going on, a spiritual war going on in our soul. And one of the ways to win that battle is just simply out loud to say to God, I thank you, God. I thank you. Thank you for And name it. Name the problem. Name the pressure. Name the difficulty. It sends the message to... Actually, we're actually witnessing to the principalities and the powers that Jesus Christ is the victor over every circumstance of life. Amen? He's the victor over every circumstance of life. Now, with that said, if you read the first few verses here in Luke 16, you'll find out very quickly in the first three or four verses, he's talking about stewardship, 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 stewardship. It's repeated in the first four verses multiple times. Now, in the, the Bible, this uh, matter of stewardship comes up multiplicity of times. One of the most important places it comes up is in 1 Corinthians. When Paul made this statement, he was talking about us as believers. And he says, it is required of us as stewards. Now, a steward is somebody that has been entrusted to manage something that belongs to somebody else. And by the way, if you want to deal with worry and fear and anxiety and insecurity and all that stuff about discontentment, you have one, one of the greatest principles of life is understanding the principle of ownership. What you and I own, we worry about. We fret about. We get wor- uh, uh, discontent about our, any, uh, any uh, uh, manner of carnality of uh, the works of the flesh. The Bible says the earth is how much it belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, which means that everything in this world, we are stewards of. Of what belongs to God. If somebody runs into my car. And it's my car. My brand new car. And they were being careless or reckless or whatever. And they just ran into it. Now i got all this difficulty to go through to try to 
you know, get the insurance to restore everything, so forth and so on. Listen, it makes a big difference if it's God's car or my car. It makes a big difference. Anger, one of the biggest ways to conquer anger is to apply this principle of ownership. We usually get angry or worried about what belongs to us. But what God wants us to realize is it all belongs to him. And it frees you up because God can take good care of what belongs to him. Amen? He can take real good care of what belongs to him. If we believe and really live our life that we are stewards and uh, not owners of the property or the possessions that God allows us to have in this life. And by the way, uh, I was talking with somebody about when we moved in our retirement house over there. We're so thankful for it, so thankful for the love of so many people that has made it possible for us to move into that uh, house. And it's so nice. <laughs> we got our floor in, kitchen's in. It's really nice. But I forget who I was talking to, but I just made this point. If the Lord chose to take it all away. Listen, the Lord gives. What else does he do? The Lord takes away. Would I still be able to say and really mean it? And really mean it from the depths of my heart? Blessed be the name of the Lord. The foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Wow. I need to be thankful. I need to be thankful. Whether I have it or I don't have it. And if it gets taken away from me, my life wasn't wrapped up in it. My, that's not the treasure of life. The treasure of life is Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Our fellowship with God. Now, God has given us all things richly to enjoy. That's in uh, Timothy. When Paul wrote to Timothy, God has given us all things richly to enjoy. Uh, things are not evil. Possessions are not evil. Money is not evil. But the love of money is, the love of money is what? It's the root of how much evil? We're talking about big time challenge here. We're talking about the motive in the heart. We're talking about what's going on as far as the motive of my heart. And, you know, um, the Bible says no man, we're in a spiritual battle in this life. No man that warreth as a soldier of Christ. We're all soldiers of Christ as believers. No man that warreth entangleth himself with what? The affairs of this life. We can't be weighed down with care. The reason why I'm spending so much time on this particular parable goes back to the first parable that I started with. And the Lord said, if you don't understand the first parable, he said, if you don't get this one right, you won't be able to understand any of the parables, including the one I'm preaching on right now. And in that parable of the sower and the seed, the Lord gave the interpretation, just like he gives an interpretation in this parable. And he talked about the thorny ground. And he talked about two things that choke the word. 
so that the word of God does not impact your life in powerful ways. With everything I just talked about as far as that quietness and that joy and that rest and that peace and that being able to go through life without letting the cares of this world choke the word. That's what Jesus said. What is it that chokes the impact of the word of God and us being able to enter into the blessedness of the life of Christ? The cares of this world. And what else did he say? Anybody remember? The deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of riches. That's why I'm taking so much time on this. That's why the third sermon I'm going to preach, I'm going to focus on, on money more pointedly because the Lord focuses on it pointedly. In Luke 15, we have the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, did the prodigal son have any problems as far as substance and possessions and money? He wasted his substance. Did the older son in the parable have problems with money? Go back and look at it. He had as much problems as the younger brother. That's Luke 15. Luke 16, the Lord's addressing the problem with money. Then you get to Luke 17, and you got the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. That whole parable is all about major problems that the rich man had and was not looking at life properly. I mean, you got 15, you got 16, and you got 17 in a row where the Lord pointedly addresses it. It's like, you got to get this, you got to get this, or you're gonna, you'll never be able to make your journey through life with the joy of Christ and, and the power of his life. Because you're either going to love God, no man can love God and money or material things. It, it, there's a contention there. So, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, and this is right in this parable, he said it's required of a steward. In 1 Corinthians, he says, required of a steward that a steward be found faithful. The key character quality, I'm going to mention, uh, if I have time, I'm going to mention uh, a number of character qualities. But the m most foundational character quality of being a good steward and it's, it's, if you look, be alert for this in the New Testament and the Old Testament. I looked it up this morning. The word faithful is mentioned 50 times in the New Testament. Every, every time you see the word faithful, pay attention to it. Because it's required of you and me as a steward to be found, what? Faithful. So whenever God speaks about being faithful, pay attention to what he's saying. Now, the reason why I say this is because there are eternal... There's an eternal impact to our stewardship in this world. Eternal impact. Let me take you to, uh, go over to 1 Corinthians 6 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And in, uh, most of you know that 1 Corinthians was one problem after another problem after another problem that uh, Paul had to deal with. And in 1 Corinthians 6, he's talking about the problem of lawsuits. 
He was talking about believers not taking other believers to court to settle matters. Okay? And he was taught, it's part of being a good steward. Part of, it's probably it's part of the uh, understanding of uh, how to respond in the spirit instead of responding in the flesh. But what I want you to see here is the eternal ramifications of being a good steward, whether it's lawsuits, taking another believer to the court for lawsuits, or anything else in life. In 1 Corinthians 6, notice what he says. He says, let me see if I can find it here. He says, know ye not, he said, you should know this, verse 2. He says, do you not know, now notice he's talking about eternity now, based on our stewardship of faithfulness here. Years ago, I read a book by Paul Bilheimer. It's called Destined for the Throne. He was, uh, his uh, thesis in that book was, what happens to us in this life and the uh, preparation of what God is doing is preparing. Listen, here's what the Bible says. If we suffer with him, if we suffer with Christ in this world as a, as a good steward of the life of Christ and, and standing for truth and standing for righteousness and standing for the gospel, it says if we suffer with Christ properly in eternity, he says, what, we, what will be true of us as believers? We will reign, we will rule with him. There are eternal uh, ramifications to being a good steward of what God's entrusted to us in this life. It's right here in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, do you not know that the saints, notice what he says in verse 2, the saints shall, what's he saying here? The saints will do what? Judge the world. I think we need to uh, digest that more. I think we need to think about that more. I don't know everything God's got prepared in eternity, but he's got some responsibilities for us in eternity as far as reigning with him, ruling with him. And based on our uh, faithfulness here in this life, we'll uh, determine the responsibilities in the eternal aspect of being with God. He says, don't you know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? He's saying, don't go to the unsaved world that has not Christ and has not the Word of God and has not the Holy Spirit to try to resolve your problems as far as difficulties. You have the Holy Spirit. You have Christ within you. The world doesn't have that wisdom. Why would you take the matter to the world that doesn't have the wisdom of God Every believer has more wisdom than any person in the world that doesn't have Christ. Amen? Every believer has more wisdom. You know, let this mind, let this mind. What does the Bible say? Let this mind. Every believer, not just the pastor, not just the elders, not just the apostles, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. We're, we're stewards of the life of our Lord, stewards of the mind of our Lord. He's, he's entrusted it to us. He's given it to us. Isn't it a wonderful privilege to be entrusted with such a power of our Lord's life through us? 
Notice what else he says in verse uh, 3. He just keeps going about eternity now as far as our stewardship here in eternity, the ramifications. Not only judge the world, but what does he say in verse 3? He says, know ye not. What does he say in verse 3? That we believers will judge angels. I mean, this is powerful stuff here. Powerful reality. Powerful eternal realities. It kind of boggles my mind to think about all that God's got, uh, you know, in eternity, what God's got planned. But one thing I know for sure, has God entrusted a stewardship for us to prepare us to reign with him for eternity? And based on our faithfulness here, uh, we'll have the opportunity in eternity to uh, uh, be able to uh, be productive in eternity with the responsibilities God gives us. Now, you, this is not the only place in the Bible uh, that this is mentioned. I'd like you to go to Matthew 25 with me. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. One person was entrusted with five, another person entrusted with two, and then another person with one. This is stewardship. God entrusted uh, certain people with five talents, certain people with two talents, and certain people with one talent. What have you done with what God has entrusted to you? Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Don't compare yourself with somebody that's uh, a a five-talent entrustment. It's not what somebody else is doing. You You don't ever measure yourself by somebody else. If you do, you always don't. You don't ever get to uh, the truth properly. Always measure measure yourself by Jesus Christ Himself. Amen. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If He's given me five talents, I can be a good steward of the five talents. If He's given me two talents, I can be a good steward of the two talents. If He's given me one talent, I'd be a good steward of the one talent. But one thing's for sure, God's looking to see, have you been faithful in what has been entrusted to you? And one of the points he makes in Luke 16 is, if you're not faithful in the little things, if you're not faithful in the little things, there's a whole powerful message on that right there as far as being a good steward. If you're not faithful in the little things, you will not be faithful in the greater Things, And why would God entrust to us greater things if we're minimizing the stewardship of the little things? Everybody follow that? So we need to be faithful in how many things? All things. All things in life. Stewardship of everything. I'm talking about the stewardship of every minute of our life. Every moment of our life. Not when we got some big, huge, gigantic decision to make in life. It's the little Foxes, the Bible says it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. The Bible also says don't despise the day of small things. Well, I don't have much to offer. I just got the one talent. You know, somebody else has got the five talents. Don't despise the day of small things. I tell you, God loves to take the least the littlest and the last to show his power, to show his glory, to show how powerful he is. 
the major warnings that God gave, and as a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about not many people that have the, the greater benefits of life. He says, and Jesus himself said, with what difficulty does a rich man enter into heaven? Remember that? It's the little things. It's being faithful in the little things. Being faithful with the five cents or the five million dollars. It's the principle is the same. It doesn't matter whether it's the five cents or the five million. The principle of being faithful is the same. But if we're not faithful in the little, why will God entrust to us the greater? And when he talks about true, true wisdom here, he, he says, well, why would somebody commit the true riches to you? The riches of this, everything as far as the riches of this world is going to pass away. As a matter of fact, the whole, hev- the whole existing heaven and the whole existing earth is going to be burned up one day. According to Second Peter, chapter 3. And we all know, well, how much are we going to leave behind when it comes our time to go into eternity? How much are we going to leave behind? We're going to leave it all behind. So the true riches is what has eternal value. The true riches is being a good steward of what you only, we need to be a good steward of what we see with our physical eyes. And when we're a good steward of what we see with our physical eyes, more importantly, we're able to be a good steward of what you only see with your spiritual eyes. Remember the Bible says, as believers, unbelievers walk by sight only, what they see with their physical eyes. But we as believers, how do we walk? We walk by faith. Faith does not see less. Faith always sees more. Always. I don't know if you've had this experience or not. I'm sure you have. Because there is no temptation taking any man, but such as is common to every man. But I've, I've learned to recognize when I'm under a spiritual oppression of attack. There's certain dynamics that keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. I say, oh, boy, I recognize this. I've been through this before. And God says, very clearly, God says, we wrestle not. We wrestle not as far as the things of life that are causing us problems and causing us difficulty. It's not what we can see with our physical eyes is our biggest difficulty. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What do we wrestle against? The principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness. And I've learned... It's kind of like I just smack myself. And I say, Randy Cook, wake up. Don't get distressed about this stuff with the physical eyesight part of it. You've been through this before. You know how this works. The only way this will be resolved is the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Prayer, based on the authority of Jesus, 
The Lord says in this parable, I say unto you. How many times did he say that? In John, when I preached through John, there's 25 times in the Gospel of John, he said, Verily, 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 I say unto you. And I asked myself this question this morning, or yesterday. I forget when I asked myself this question, but I asked it to myself. If we do not stand in the name of Jesus Christ, if we do not pray in the name of Jesus Christ, we are no match for the powers of darkness in this world. What man can pray in his own name and speak to a raging storm on the Sea of Galilee and say, Peace be still. I don't know any man that's ever lived in any generation of mankind in his own name that can rebuke the weather. And I tell you, there's power in Jesus' name. There's power in Jesus' name. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven whereby men can be delivered from the powers of darkness. Again, I admonish you to pray out loud in the name of Jesus Christ. I've got to where I just go down through the list. Son of God, Son of Man, Messiah, Lamb of God, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. I just go down through the whole list, all the names I can think of related to Jesus Christ. Because there's power in His name. Power in His name. And listen, when you get distressed about the circumstance of life, remember you are in a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle. And so if we're going to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us, it can't just be what we see with our physical eyes. It's got to be what we see with our spiritual eyes. And we've got to understand how powerful it is. Like he says, put on the whole armor of God. Make sure you put on the whole armor of God. He says, you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but these principalities and powers. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against how many wiles of the devil. And I tell you, he's got a lot of wiles going on. First Peter says, be, be sober. Be spiritually sober. Don't be out of touch with this. Be sober. Be diligent about it. Go back and, and ask God to give you wisdom about spiritual warfare. Ask God to lead you to the passages and give you the understanding about spiritual warfare. You can't be a good steward without understanding spiritual warfare. It's vital. It's essential. Because the cares of life can get the best of you if you don't understand how to stand and having done all to stand in the name of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When you, when you, uh, we, we can't stand in our own name. We can't stand in our own righteousness. But when we uh, appeal to the heavens and appeal to God 
So, Father, I'm praying to you in Jesus Christ's name, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Son of Man, the God-Man, the one who has all authority in heaven and where else? He's got all authority not just in heaven. He's got all authority where? On earth. And I like to pray this way. I encourage you to pray with me about the whole upstate of South Carolina. I've been praying this way for a number of years now. Every uh, ministry I've had, it's like I said, God, what's the domain? Principality means there's certain princes over certain palities. There's certain powers over certain areas. That's why, that's why I was praying the way I was praying about Thailand. Thailand's got principalities over there that's uh, uh, keeping people in the darkness of captivity. And so I, in, this, in my ministry here in South Carolina, it's the upstate, the upstate of South Carolina. There's a principality over the upstate of South Carolina. So when I pray for our fellowship or I pray for our families or I pray for our marriages or I pray for our deacons or I pray for our elders, I say ditto, ditto, ditto for the whole upstate of South Carolina. It's kind of like the battlefield of uh, waging uh, in the name of Jesus Christ to, to bring uh, the blessing of heaven down to earth. The Lord said, he said to Nathaniel, he told Nathaniel, he said, when you was under the fig tree doing business with me, I was there. I knew what went on. And it got, it got Nathaniel's attention that this is, this, is, uh, this, is, uh, this is God. Only God knew what happened under that fig tree. When he, when he told Nathaniel, I, I knew what took place with you under the fig tree. And then Jesus said this. He said, you marvel at what I know about you in this manner? He says, he, he didn't use these words, but he, for, he foresaw his redemption and his atonement and his resurrection and his victory. He said, there is coming a time where there's going to be an open heaven. Open heaven. And he says, what's the angels going to be able to do? Now, we're talking about the good angels, not the evil angels. We're, talk, we're talking about the good angels here. The Lord said, the angels will, what will they do? They will ascend. And what else will they do? Descend. Because of my redemption, because of my atonement, because of my victory, because of my salvation, because of the new covenant, there's going to be an open heaven. So believers who have faith and understand the dynamics of spiritual warfare and how to pray in the blessed atonement, the blessed resurrected life, the authority of Jesus Christ in his name, the blessings of heaven can come down to earth. And that's how the Lord told us to pray. Thy will be done. How do you tell us to pray? Thy will be done on earth in what manner? As it is in heaven. And Jesus said before something can be bound on earth, what did Jesus say? If you're trying to get something, uh, keep the powers of dark, uh, darkness from working on earth, it's got to first be bound where? In heaven. If you're trying to get something loose on earth where somebody's bound up with sin, bound up with powers of darkness, it's got to be loose first. Where? In heaven. 
We have to lay hold of the open heaven blessing that our Lord Jesus has uh, accomplished through his atonement, his blood atonement, his resurrected life, his ascension, his glorification, his exaltation at the right hand of the Father, the one who has all authority. All authority. Where does he have all authority? In heaven and on earth. Now this you will only be able to pray if you're looking at it with what kind of eyes? Your spiritual eyes. Now it's all part of being good stewards. Good stewardship requires spiritual discernment. Spiritual alertness. It's not just what you're seeing with your physical eye. There are other dynamics taking place. And the only way to win the battle of discouragement and defeat and depression and despondency and anger and worry and insecurity, the only way is through the atoning, resurrected, finished work of Jesus Christ. That's where the victory is. Jesus Christ always, what does he tell us in 2 Corinthians, Jesus Christ always leads us believers in what manner? In triumph. So as we understand how to allow his life to be fleshed out through us, allow his life to be manifested through us, it's never about us. It's always about him. Amen. It's ne- it's not, I say this all the time. Listen, if there's any good happening, it can't be coming from me. The Bible says there is none good. None good, no, not one. If there's any good happening, it can't be coming because we're doing a good job producing it. We can't produce goodness. If there's anything good happening, it's got to come from Jesus Christ himself. Amen? It's, it's of him, it's through him, and it's to him. And then we're being good stewards of his life, of, of his grace. It talks about in Peter that we are supposed to be Good stewards of the manifold grace of God given to us. That's in First Peter. And so this is all about stewardship and the impact of eternity. Now, Father in heaven, I think about Elisha and his servant. They were surrounded by the Syrian army. And the servant was looking at what he could see with his physical eyes. And he basically said, hey, this is the end of the road for us. We don't have a chance in 10 million of uh, going up against this army. And Elisha prayed, God, open my servant's eyes. Help him to see in the spiritual heavenly realm your army. And I want to pray that today, Father. I pray you'd open our spiritual eyes that we would not be taken up with humanity's armies and what's going on with humanity things. I pray we'd see the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, His power, His authority, His sovereignty. And I pray you'd teach us how to pray so the blessings of heaven can come down from heaven to earth because we understand the finished work of your Son, Jesus Christ, 
and how to be good stewards of the, the life you've entrusted to us, your son's life that you've entrusted to us. Lord, teach us how to be good stewards. So you can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been good stewards over a few things. I'm going to make you a steward now over many things. Lord, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about our responsibilities in eternity. So teach us how to do that, Father. Open our spiritual eyes to the spiritual realities of life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.